there are different degrees of RFPness, right? Oh boy. Well, no. <laughs> No, boy, hold on. Boy, are well, there. let's let's go back and really frame this for people. Some people don't even let's know. Let's never is. say RFPness again. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, does a disaster. Rich, you know a great thing yeah. about life in a company is when people start doing stuff that's great for the company and you find out about it. It is a wonderful thing. Yeah, when it's just it like... It means you've reached a certain scale, but also that the people are taking it. That's right. That's right. It's always been a part of leadership here and, and uh, about growing the firm as we say, look, we have a beautiful space. We like to invite people in, build something. And you know what group did that? Who, Paul? Design. This is a great thing. It's called the Design Elephants. I'm going to confess something. I get design ideas and then I say to myself, that's none of your business. Yeah. Now leave that alone. Leave that alone. Ooh, you don't want that look yes. in the eye when you're like, hey, I have this design idea. And yeah. just, yeah. But that's not what this is about. This is about the design elephants. Let's have two of the leaders from our design group introduce themselves. Hi, I'm May Reed, Director of Product Design here at Postlight. I'm Nora Vani. I am a Senior Product Designer. Thank you for coming on Track Changes. What's design elephants? Why elephants? Well... So Design Elephants is a quarterly event that the design team has kicked off where we're going to talk about four different topics that we find are still, I don't want to say the word problematic, but are areas that we still need more definition, we need more discourse, we need more conversation around. And these are four identified elements that we as a team don't have the answers to, but we definitely want to invite people to come in and have the conversation with us, both as more educated people who can speak around these areas and also as the public coming in who is just as curious as we are as a design team. All right. So quarterly, what is the first one and what's it about? The first one is accessibility and working with Nora, we have come up with this great events that which I'm going to kick over to her to speak about more. Yes. So we are hosting an event in our office here at 101 Fifth Avenue on February 27th that focuses on accessibility. So obviously it's not a new topic. It's been around for 20 years now since 1999 when the WCAG was first drafted. But we don't talk about Wait, it when enough. The, what was the WCAG, I, it's an impossible thing to say. It's an acronym. WCAG, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Right. And we just don't talk about it enough as designers. I think the onus most of the time gets put on engineers. Like, yeah, okay, we, we designed this thing. Can you also make it work for everyone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I think the uh, onus also goes on to the accessibility community to oh, solve this yeah, problem The disabled well. community definitely has too much pressure put on them to advocate for their ability to use basic products. And we think that designers can really help shape and lead discussions around accessibility because it does start when you're first formulating the concept for the thing. And that's what designers are there for. They're there to help make the product better. So who, what is the event? It is a evening of discussion with two guest speakers. We have Regine Gilbert, who is the author of Inclusive Design in the Digital Age, 
coming to speak with us here. And we also have Wale Sabri from the city of New York. He is a digital accessibility coordinator from the mayor's office for people with disabilities. And they are both going to be speaking on fundamentals of inclusive design, but also like practical implications. So like, what do you need to be thinking about when you're designing for screen readers, for example? Mm-hmm. And then I'm also going to be speaking um, and just kind of discussing some of the common pitfalls or objections you might get from clients and other stakeholders and things you can take away and, and have in your toolbox when you're working. And also you're being a little bit modest. You wrote a, a big piece for Postlight. If, if people Google Noravani accessibility, you'll find <laughs> Uh, a good, thoughtful guide to current thinking around accessibility and design yeah. responsibility. Thank you. Yeah, it's basically like all the things I've heard as I try to advocate for this in uh, the design process and and some of the ways to help maybe reframe the conversation to get people on board. Great. Okay, so when? February 27th. Where? Postlight's office at 101 Fifth Avenue. What time? Uh, we're starting at 6 and the discussion will kick off at 6.30. Snacks? Snacks, drinks, friends. Uh, and also, I think we should point out the office is accessible, but unfortunately, we don't have accessible bathrooms. Yeah. So we should just let the world know New that. York. If you want to attend and uh, feel that that's going to be a challenge, get in touch. Maybe we can figure something yeah, out. Yeah, please do. If anybody wants to talk to you about this. Definitely reach out. Nora.Vani at postlight.com is my info. So how, uh, if I'm interested in coming, first off, is it open to anyone who wants to attend? Absolutely. It is geared at product designers or digital designers, but everyone is welcome. Great. And we have a Eventbrite link. Okay. Um, you can find that if just generally check out Postlight on Twitter. Probably you'll see the link there or reach out if you have any questions. Great. Great. We'll put the link in the notes for the podcast too. And what's a sneak peek? What are the other design elephants? Yeah. So the other design elephants are around the next event we have is April 22nd, actually, that we're planning for. And that's going to be around design. So the idea being how can design get a better seat at the table when it comes to business decisions? How do we unmask that veil of what goes into that end product, which everyone sees? After that, we're going to do a event around ageism and how does that play out in design? And then the last one is going to be around screen time. So how do you reconcile building products to encourage engagement, but really wanting to get people off the screen and experience the world as is. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, uh, Design. We should point out to people, it's the <laughs> elephant in the room. Yes, right? it like is the elephant. In case that wasn't yeah, obvious yeah. It's, yet. It's <laughs> yes. not just these like, adorable design elephants. No, no, no. It's definitely the concept is around you know playing with that, that, that phrase of elephant in the room. And these are things that exist and we all keep bumping into, but we aren't really – there hasn't been a lot of real discourse around. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be part of creating a space for that discourse versus saying that we have the answer. You know, the other thing is that if you're curious about the firm, this is a great way to get to know us. Like just – You'll, you'll meet the people. Yes, it's a great way. This, you know, this is another kind of avenue we wanted is we really wanted people to come and experience the culture um, here at Postlight and the design team culture. And that being, you know, hey, we can identify what we don't know, but we have space to ask and we have space to, to talk about it. So, you know, we love to have these events because a lot of times we find people that we really want to bring into the culture here as well. Um, so if you're, you know, we're actively recruiting right now. So please feel free to come check out the space, come meet up with us, definitely come and speak with me because we are looking for great people to continue to be joining our team. Great. And any questions in general, hello at postlight.com. We'll route them appropriately. Thank you guys. We'll be there for this. Thank event. you. That'll Thank you. Rich, I want to talk about something that's been on my mind lately. 
we're okay. gr- we're growing. So typical sales for Postlight. That's me. I'm head of sales. People don't know that about me. They think about me as a writer. Among other things. <laughs> You're not just head of sales, <laughs> but I'm head of sales. I like being head of sales. You got to own it. You got to get in there. And I'm, you know, just today I started to write because here's what's happening. It used to be, this is how we would sell services at Postlight. Mike, haven't heard from you in a while. <laughs> oh my God. Great to get your email. Yeah, totally. We are, we're doing all kinds of stuff. How old are the kids? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's get coffee. And I'd love to see if we, you know, if we're a good fit, we're a good fit. We're doing some really good work. I'd love to, love to talk to you. That was sales for the first several years. Some of sales. Yes. Some of sales. Yes, and yes, then, yes. and then it was like, Hey, I'm in a big company. You and I met five years ago. I'd like to talk to you about this thing we're doing, uh-huh. you know, friends, referring friends, so on and so forth. But then there gets to be a point where the brand's working, where people are like, oh, okay, Postlight, you're on that list of companies that do platform-driven web work. Good for you. Your marketing got out there. Your brand's working. And you know your reward for that? What? The RFP. Paul, what's an RFP? Well, Rich, I'm glad you asked. It's the request for proposal. It's the formal proposal process. This is what big agencies do all day. There are teams working on them. I used yeah. to, when I worked at big agencies, that's what you do. You'd get a Word doc and it would say, we need to build a new thingamajig. Are you the right person? Here's right. 35 pages. The RFP process is born out of an idea, which is this. We're going to eliminate bias favoritism, nepotism, fraternalism, all the things that would cloud a good call for the in, that is in the best interests of the company that is trying to hire a partner. Or the or the especially not-for-profit organization or government organization. In fact, there's laws around some of the As government before, organizations. You can't just hire your cousin's digital product no. studio. You have to open it up. Open it up. Sometimes it's blind. Sometimes it's... Sometimes it's all about price. Lowest bidder. It's a whole a host of factors are put forward. Sometimes a committee is formed that's going to make a vote on determining which RFP they're going to, which proposal they're going to, they're going to, that's going to win. Sometimes it's a, it's a winnowing down process where yeah. you're going from like, oh, we're going to get you, you've made it to the last four. And then you're, there's another round of conversation. It could be really, really difficult and, and, and a, an arduous process. One of the interesting things about Postlight is a lot of our biggest clients come from I don't know what you'd want to call it. What's the anti-RFP? Well, it's just relationship building. Can right? I talk to you? Well, no, uh, I mean, I think... It's you, time. Actually, for people listening, right? You're listening to what is actually marketing, right? We're doing this podcast and yep. Rich and I, I mean, you know, we just use common sense. We say the things we would say if we met you on the street. It's mm-hmm. just like, but what you're listening to gets the word postlight in your brain and we do a lot of content. We write a lot of stuff and we think of it as like giving away lots of thoughts. Right? I, I, I mean, being generous with our advice has been actually great for business. It's the best business move we could have made. It let us, it let us skip a lot of steps because instead of having to prove out every single detail of our mm-hmm. expertise, people are like, oh, I read that article. You do know what you're talking about. And that comes into early conversation. When we have an anti-RFP process, essentially a conversational process, We've had people tell us, entrepreneurs tell us, I just want to thank, like, I can't afford you or this isn't going to work for whatever reason, but wow, you helped me gain clarity on what, what exactly was at stake and, and what you're, was you're involved. You're so good looking too. I mean, it's and just I just really... Wanna, and then they, there's this can basket I, with, filled with sausage and cheese and Yeah, and, no, and, and then they, they're like, can I smell your sweater? It's just beautiful. That's the kind of relationship that we have with our clients. I got to say, I never feel crushed after making that investment when they don't go with us for whatever reason. Oh, I actually no, don't okay. feel bad about it. No. I see it as completely part of... First of all, you can't win them all or we would die. We, we, can't, we couldn't survive winning. 
No, of but course it's, not. But it's not just that, that we love. We also we love conversing. We love talking to people. No, we talk. You you know, there was a point where we were advertising on Facebook. Now, I would heartily recommend against advertising your services on Facebook. I want to pause the podcast. I'm fairly convinced that it's not worth it for us to advertise on Facebook. If somebody can give us insights as to why we should advertise on yeah, Facebook, just really call one eight hundred Postlight. We need to know. Hello at postlight.com. Yeah. Why would I spend money on Facebook? But maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. We've talked because about because I get and I want to talk about a product. I want to go on a tangent off the tangent. Go take go. There's an ad campaign that's happening to my Facebook stream for a product called Pendo. Oh yeah, Pendo. P e n d o dot i o. You can go pen, look at it. Big Pendo fan right here. Nobody knows what this is. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. We need to tell people what we did yesterday. So you and I like to take a little break during lunch and watch YouTube videos of enterprise software being used or presented. In incognito mode. Yeah, he, exactly. You need to. Because otherwise, no, seriously, they will come chasing your entire account. It is uh, something. Yeah. It and is it, something. They love to market. Anyway, Rich, so I'm like, hey, it's enterprise software lunch. Let's sit down. I was like, oh, we'll do a little Salesforce Dreamforce. And I mean, that is an amazing one. There are people dressed in costumes and, you know. That's Ma- that is, that's is sort of the top end of it, yeah. yeah. But then we're like, okay, what you what you actually get? You can never see enterprise software. You can't see it. They won't let you use it or demo it or give you screenshots. You go to the website for the enterprise product company, and they're like, digital transformation delivered now. And there's yeah. a picture, a lot of, of a, abstract shapes. Yeah, there's a picture of a 25 year old woman, yeah. like giving you the thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you're like, okay, what is this? What is it? And then you keep reading, and the copy's just confusing and you go to youtube and you type it in and you can usually see somebody actually demoing and saying this is how we learned about Sitecore, right big content platform that that a lot of people use sit there and watch for an hour and you go okay i get it i see it pendo on the other hand rich bursts in yesterday and is like i gotta understand pendo well the marketing worked yeah yeah (laughs) because i found myself i see pendo everywhere what the hell is it yeah and so we bring it up on youtube and what did we learn? We learned nothing. I can't figure out what the hell we it learned is. nothing. I think it's like a content platform that that has analytics and like sort of CRM style funnel built in so you can be like, oh, they read this and this and they it, came back three times last month. I think there's an internal goal. I'm going to take a big shit on Pendo right now. Okay, first okay. of all, when you actually see the demo and you see the... It's they, infuriating. They it's used infuriating. To, let me just... I'll put it very gently. They used a lot of design patterns. Oh my God. I think they have like an internal goal for one feature a day. Yeah. And they're just <laughs> caking on all this shit. And it one is design in- toolkit a day, one, one framework a day. It's incomprehensible. Mm, it's I, if good. someone knows what it is, you're allowed to tell us in five sentences or less at hello at postlight.com. What Pendo is. If you can do that in five sentences or less, we will mail you a Postlight Jeez. sweatshirt. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Be worth it. It'll be it's a bargain. Completely worth it. Not just the sweatshirt. What's that little like plunger thing you put on the back of a phone? What's that called? Oh, the little pop socket. We have post like pop sockets. We have a po- You'll get a sweatshirt and a pop socket if you could explain to me what the hell this thing is because it looks like. And you have to explain it in the context of the real world. Like you have to be like, it's like a content management system for, or it's software that does this. It, you can't. It's it's. Don't be pile. like it's an integrated marketing cloud, or we won't no. give you a sweatshirt. No, you won't get the sweatshirt yeah. for that. Yeah, it looks like Envision had a bad night and just <laughs> threw up all night. That a lot of things look that way, frankly. <laughs> it was a lot something. of the web. Anyway, I don't want to market on Facebook. 
Well, because, you know, I took... I don't think it's right. So we did a thing. Again, as head of sales, there's certain things you only learn by grinding and sort of gnawing on the bone. So all the Facebook leads come in, and the um, I took every phone call. It was amazing. We've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but it's like, it was just it was just sort of like, my music company is, I, I've signed a man named Edgar to, to write guitar songs, and we're going to compete with Spotify. And I would take that call. It was wonderful. I have a, I have a name for these. Mm-hmm. When someone calls us up, and they had an idea, and they're like, Pulse Light's awesome. I call it the GoDaddy inbound. Oh, Essentially, yeah. it's the... I'm going to sign up for the domain name and talk to the agency. Yeah. It's like there's... No, reality hasn't really... We've deferred reality for a minute. We're going to just talk to the agency that charges actually a lot of money, and we're going to buy the domain name for $11. Yeah, it, well, that's the thing. It's free to get in touch. It has it's to free be. free to get in touch, and we'll talk to you. Yeah. And we'll talk. Well, to I mean, them. I think like, yeah, if they don't write Deloitte because they'll just sort of cancel that or send them a, a white paper. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Like they go into some. No, funnel. we're very high. We're very engaged. No. So. So anyway, let's let's back this out to the RFP process. Suddenly over the last year or so, the number of RFPs that have come in have probably quintupled, like just yeah. instead of many more know, one every couple months, we're getting like one a week. Sometimes we get the the, the kind email saying, would you be interested in participating in this RFP process? Yeah, they, you get those, but that's actually like, there. yeah, there's like the pre-qualifier. Yeah. And then you get the RFP itself. RFP's bad? RFP's bad? Yeah. How come? <sighs> well, I don't, I don't have a solution. I'm thinking about this because I'm going to talk about well, it on stage. Well, tell me, I don't want the solution. Why are they bad? They're bad because they keep trying to quantify and qualify the intangible aspects, right? So it's not like, it's a relationship. Everything we do, we actually sell relationships with, um, we sell two things, relationships with Postlight and career progress for our clients. We're going to get you your thing so that you can grow in your career. Yeah. And and you will look good and your boss will promote you. Yeah. And we're going to have a, you're going to have a good, healthy relationship uh, along the way. The side effect of that is that we ship working software. Yeah. What you're saying is the RFP is kind of anti-relationship. Well, there's a couple different ones. There's the bargain hunter, right? Where they're like, it's just thrift store. They're just like, I need these things. Can you also do some free design? I love that request. Yeah. They love to ask for like, what will the design look like? And it's like, no. Yeah. No, go go ask yeah. your cousin. No, but that's not an RFP. It is. Well, I wouldn't call that an RFP. No, you get them. No, no. See, it's when like, you say RFP, I see 11 pages of PDF. There's that. Space. No, but half the time they ask, it's that, and they're like, please also show design samples. That I've seen that four or five times. Yeah. So there's the bargain hunter. There's one that's kind of like the Turing test where they're just sort of like, I need to see if you're a robot or a human. Like, it's just robots talking to robots. They're yeah. like, here are the 45 factors that we are looking for. Yeah. They want you to fill out a form, but they won't let you just fill out the form. Yeah. Mostly because they don't know how to put up a form for you to fill out. Yeah. The best ones along those lines, they just send you a giant spreadsheet and are like, go ahead Tell us how you, you know. Fill in the blanks. What is what is the SEO strategy for your content platform? Yeah. And then you write three sentences yep. on to the next. But you're making a great point, which you, we kind of glossed over, which is the success and failure of an engagement is, I mean, obviously going to hinge on the people. Yeah. And the RFP process actually tries to quantify and remove these sort of soft variables from the process. Like you're essentially saying, I'm going to check all these boxes and we're going to have a, a matrix and then they present that matrix to some executives who are going to see, oh, okay, um, this looks good. This looks good. Should that, you know, all these factors are are considered. 
it's like a program. It's almost like, you know, what's the output of this yep. RFP process? And then that's how we're going to make the call. When in fact, that kickoff meeting, mm-hmm. and we've been in our share of kickoff meetings. Boy, have we. The people in the room and how they click or don't click is going to determine the success or failure of that thing more than anything else. The big, big, big agencies, the thing they can do, if you're unhappy and you're big, they literally will shovel 30 human beings out of the bucket and then put 30 new ones in. They'll do that on a phone call. Don't like Sam? How about Michaela? Yeah. And team. Yeah. It's not just one person. They will will move everything around to keep the wheels turning. That's that's, That's something they can do. The smaller shops, you're going to live with them. You're making a bet on that shop. I don't know how anyone can do this without making a bet. By the way, some of the RFP processes end up with, when will you present? You'll actually present oh, something. Yeah. They're sad. No, they, they got to get you into that room. But a lot of them, I mean, almost all of them have a, like a nice Q&A process in front. Yeah. Look, I mean, it is, it's just a way that business is done. But yeah, it, it's a little bit broken. The other ones that are amazing are the ones where they've clearly chosen the partner and the stack that they're going to build with, but then they have to get three or four more. They have to because yeah. they've been asked to go do it. Yeah, 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 yeah those yeah, are yeah. brutal. We, sometimes you'll get that signal really clearly. They'll yeah, be like, what we is... can sniff that out and we pass on it. Well, it'll we're be like, like nah, we're not going to participate. It's in really this. awkward though because they've now made the promise that they're getting three or four. Yeah, but they they <laughs> then they spill the beans. They're yep. like, well, we're, you'll get on that phone call and they'll be like, what is the pro? Yep. What's your like pro core and blah 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 strategy? What's yep. your this and that? And you'll be like. Well, we we don't do that, right? You know, and they're like, well, you know, what about integrated yeah. shopping carts? They want to put X's in, right? Instead yeah, that's right. And right. then we go like, I think we're actually the wrong partner for you, and you can feel them kind of freak out a little bit because they promised three or four. <laughs> yep, they still want you to do it, <laughs> but it's like I'm not gonna go yeah. somewhere and and like, totally. yeah, I'm not getting on a plane so you can feel better about yourself. Yeah. So I, I don't know, Rich. I mean, I'm here doing my sales, and I'm getting yeah. more RFPs. I just made for the first time. I sat down and I wrote a one page doc called what do we need to know when we respond to rfps you know like let me ask you are you do you like it when you get an rfp rarely rarely some are quite well prepared yeah some are not most I'm, look like ransom notes put together from different stakeholders in the organization yeah. who and it's, it's they're trying to satisfy everyone and they're basically outsourcing their inability to have cult to create cultural change to the agency mm-hmm. and crossing their fingers. Okay. That is, I would say that's, and I mean, I don't, that's not an insult there. It's like 99% or because that's why you go out. Yep. And then the government ones are, whew, you know, just like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a world. Well, they're also just like, here's two pages of the process you must follow for, you know, payroll yep. and inventory. And please provide these, these statistics about your organization and so on. I don't like them. I, 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 I maybe it's the because opposite of how you like to sell and, and close business. I, I want to see you. Yeah. Uh, I, we have an unwritten rule, which is if I can meet you in person, I'd like to meet you in person. Oh, as a, uh, as a sales rep, you have to. And if not, then the phone call or the video call. And then from there, my goal is to have more conversations with you. The more right. conversations I can have with you, the more I'm building a relationship with you, which for me is not only going to increase the likelihood of, of getting the, 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 the project, but is also going to increase the likelihood that I'm going to actually cultivate an empathetic partner on the other side that's actually going to defend my people and defend what we're doing. This is what's wild, right? Is that people think of sales at this level as very like, I'm going to wear a suit and play golf. It's literally without the empathetic connection between both parties and yep. them going like, I understand that you are in business to make yep. money and that you would like to charge me 500 times what I'm about to offer you. 
I'm not sure that rule doesn't apply in almost any company. It, it if, does, but most, most companies desperately try to avoid it because you can't hire for empathy. No, you can't. But when you are trying to get Department C in the campus across the street to cooperate with your initiative, the, one of the best things you can do is go and hang out at Department C. Go oh, and yeah. get to know them. Go and understand why they are motivated by what they're motivated by and connect. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying something here that can land as underhanded or manipulative. Well, this, is, this is what I'm saying. It's not. It, it's not. The people who buy services at a certain scale are very usually pretty experienced in buying services. Not their first time. True. And they're not going to do it unless they are comfortable working with you every day. Correct. I mean, some of our clients like, we can't buy drinks because they're such big orgs or government orgs. Like, it's not like we, we can't schmooze them. No. Like they literally, like they will get fired. It's unethical to schmooze them. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've, we've, we've been told that explicitly in some instances. Right, like, and so it's not like we have this amazing toolkit and we can go down there and be like, hey, how about, you know, Nick's tickets? It, it's, you have to literally, they have to want to see you and they're making the decision based on that. Is this that different than campaigning? Because what you're trying to do when you campaign is not sit there and lecture them about you. You're actually there to listen, right? No, that's right. And, and that is- You're going to tell them your story. And then they're going to say, that's fine. It's the, you know, that, that mug, that, that classic diner mug that you're holding up and cause, you know, for the photo shoot. But yeah, there's a photo shoot and you're at the local diner in, in the middle of, of Iowa or Kansas. But at the same time, you are there. And those people, they actually want you to hear them. They don't want to hear you talk. They yeah. can hear you talk all day long. You're all over the internet. You're all over everything. They actually want you to hear them. And you are going to hear some things that really, frankly, their local municipality should be <laughs> dealing yeah, with. That is correct. But you're campaigning for president. No, that's right. People want to be heard. You're like, we are going to fix trash removal here in Boise. People want to be heard. Yeah. The first of any kickoff to any project, I would pack the first two to three hours of pelting them with questions and listening to them. Yeah. Because, and that, frankly, for me, in my mind, and I'm more improvisational, is would actually lay out the rest of the agenda. The rest of the agenda will be shaped by what they need and what they're feeling and what they want. And I think any good political operator in any company thinks that way. Yeah, that's right. That's how they advance, in fact. And I don't think that's bad because you can still do good things and help those people well, down the road. And sometimes, you know, look, we're not a company that does a lot of sales after the engagement starts. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're going to, we're, we truly are. And it's part of that is just our scale. And part of that is, is the, just the culture and the ethics of the place. Once you're in there and you're building the work, the work's going to speak for itself. And we're not going to keep asking you, we don't do change orders. We don't do like, like we, we build stuff. And that's right. That and, has and, to speak for it. And we believe that that leads to more work. Right? That's right. I, I but you actually, have to still do some politics around that. You have to show people the thing you built. Absolutely. And say, look, we made decisions to build this. Yep. And, that's, and people are like, well, that's not politics. That's just a presentation. But it is. It's politics. I, I think the most politi powerful political weapon you have is the thing you built. Oh, it's your, I, that is your that. stump speech. That is your stump speech. You that, know, that you can't. It's hard to debate it and hard to punch holes in it, especially if you're you're actually recruiting advocates for it as it's out in the yeah, wild. Yeah, I mean, product politics, the the way you win the election is you stand up and demo. Stand up and demo. I, I want to close this with a story, Paul. Oh, I love stories. Let's go. We had a client. It was actually going well from our view, but the CEO called me up. And he said, can I talk to you? I'm not going to disclose <laughs> who the client is. <sighs> and he said, look, I'm a little worried about this project. 
I need you to tell me what's going right and what's going wrong, right? And I'm hearing different people, and frankly, different people are throwing others under the bus, including us. Others were throwing us under the bus, oh, yeah. which has happened to us, by the way. Well, it this happens. is just when you're in a political and a charged environment where things aren't going so great, yeah. vendors are one of the things you can blame. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. So I gave my spiel, and I told him, look, you know, we're going to launch this. We're feeling good about it. If we do these th- these things, please get these other things out of our way, right? And then he said to me, Rich, I got to be honest with you. I've talked to the four different stakeholders, or all pointing at each other, and they all just told me the same thing. They all they just say? said, "I've got it right." I, you know, I, oh, yeah. and the my, other guy's screwing up. I have my solution here. I don't know why you would ever do it their way. Exactly. I said, and then I, I looked back at, I, I responded to that CEO, and I said, "In six weeks, we have to launch." Yeah. I'm on the hook. I can't hide for another five months. Yeah. I've got six weeks to go, and so I'm talking to you now telling you that if you let me do these things and you get these other things out of my way, I'm either going to look good in six weeks or look like a complete idiot, yeah. right? So I don't want to convince you, in fact. You've got six weeks to go. He's This guy thinks in months and years, yeah. right? He's a CEO. Well, honestly, you know, he doesn't just think in months and years. He thinks entire Because a CEO, I know this from personal experience, can't do anything. Like they can't, they can't go in there and fix the problem. Well, they have to trust, right? They have to delegate and trust. They have no choice. So all he's thinking about is I have four people, I pay their salaries and they are supposed to give me the best input possible. My role is tiebreaker and I don't have framework for de- for deciding the tie no and you you try to sniff out risk here and there it's like hmm, i haven't heard from yeah but when they're all really skilled they're all just like no yeah. no i'm a more paranoid leader than you are but that's that's why this works yeah no of course um, uh i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is there is this well no you came in and you dropped you were just like Six weeks, and it's either then you have a boolean. It's true or false. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, so, and he actually there was a there was quiet on the other end. Oh, that's like a laser beam cutting right down the middle of the the, the wall, right? Like just each kind oh. of like you're laying your hands out and you're saying that you're gonna know, man. I how like I'm gonna look pretty foolish because all the other stakeholders are essentially saying don't do that. They didn't have a plan. Oh, B. don't you dare! They don't use agile the right way. They don't do this. They don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. They had no sort of moment. Yeah. Where it was gonna. Prove out. All they could do was naysay, right? And and just say, look, this is risky. You really got to watch this and that. And all I'm saying is, I got to actually give you the box and you're going to open the box in six weeks. This is a very hard thing to learn in your career. This took me a long time, which is that you've got a plan. You've got a project. You're underway. Everyone is saying, great job. Here you go. Yes. And simultaneously, five or six forces are trying to blow up what you're doing because they think it's the wrong path and their path is better. And the people well above you are hearing about this while you're trundling along, writing your code, managing your product. Mm-hmm. And then one day, you know, like you're a week late shipping and you're like, of course I'm a week late shipping. You guys changed the scope and there's all these things that happen. And I did a great job. And they're like, I told you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And exactly. It, that is the hardest thing. That's why your, your managers are always so nervous. Absolutely. And one of our jobs is to, to get ahead of that, right? Look, I think what this is about is courtship. Mm-hmm. An RFP is a swipe right. Oh, it is. It's Tinder for, for zillion-dollar vendor relationships. It's courtship, right? And, and what you're doing early on, it is communication and conversing and building trust mm-hmm. and, 
and actually empathizing and saying, tell me about you, that first date, you cannot unload for an hour and a half no. and not hear about the other person. As things move along, the goods have to show up, right? Eventually, well, you, you have know, the to. only thing that actually, so the RFP, I increasingly feel is like pro forma, we're going to make sure this thing aligns with our business and hits all the, the boxes in the matrix. The only thing that matters is case studies. I think that's, I mean, what so you've done. Like, what have you done in the past? Yeah, can you go? Can you do the appropriate dance? Yes. So that we can be friends, and then show me you've solved this before. Yes. And then yes. the relationship can get. Then we can have a relationship. Right. Basically, RFPs are people who have been burned so bad before. They're going to just kind of take some time out, mm -hmm. and you know maybe like send some nice emails, but they're not going to download that dating app. No. 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 I hope this has been fruitful even beyond the agency world because this is about relationships. No, well, there's people out there writing RFPs. There's people out there writing RFPs and there's people out there engaging in that way even though it's not a formal process, right? We're all kind of working together. These entities sometimes are departments and big companies. Look, I have to go give outside. a talk to hundreds of government people about RFPs in, in, in March. Why would you go do that? Because I'm, well, this, but this is like my, this is like Gotham Comedy Club for me. I'm workshopping my RFP material. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is pretty funny. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> I think I got I to gotta qualify the different kinds of RFPs. I mean, when I get to this talk, you know, it's got to gotta pop a little bit. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, friends. Hey, listen. Guess where you can send an RFP, Paul? Oh, I love a good RFP. We love RFPs. <laughs> oh my goodness. We, we should talk also and don't Google RFP builder post light. You'll see our RFP builder. Yes. Well, you can build your own RFP it's builder. Version tool. alpha. Yes. We're post light. We're a digital product studio based in New York City. Design, engineering, strategic, product thinking. And we've got some amazing clients, some really cool case studies coming soon that we're excited to share. That's right. With put everyone. us put us on your list. Put Send us, us on your, your RFP. List. Send us your RFP. We know. We, I, I, all the things I just said. Yes. I want to see it. Yeah. You know the other thing that happens, and we're ready to help here? Yeah. Get in touch when you're about to write that RFP. Agency, we love to help. We love it, to help you us, write the It gets RFP. us in the room early. Yep. That's absolutely true. And absolutely then you send true. it out. You still get the responses, but it's given us a minute extra to think. So, yep. you know. Yep. All right, friends. Uh, hello at postlight.com and design directors. Please come to us. It's the time of your career. Yes. Try an agency. Good work-life balance. Go home at a reasonable time. Work with great people and great clients. Have a lovely week. Bye.